Good evening, Hope Church family. Uh, really excited to continue our series in Matthew. Uh, tonight, we will be in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, going to verse 12. Um, I'm just going to read that whole chunk of scripture and then pray, and then we'll dive right in. So join me, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in, a, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for this story. Thank you for the story of your birth. Jesus, we just pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, that you and your Holy Spirit would challenge, encourage, and convict us through each and every word of this scripture. God, we pray that, that you would um, inspire us and that you would encourage us to do um, and to live better lives. And so we just give you this time. We pray a blessing over uh, this time and everyone who's listening to it. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, here we go. Happy Palm Sunday Eve. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite Palm Sunday passage, Jesus' birth. Um, the church calendar is awesome, though, so tomorrow is Palm Sunday. And um, if you are curious what that is or why people celebrate that or what happens in, that, in the calendar of Jesus' life, that's in Matthew 21. Um, but we're going to be in Matthew 2 tonight. So you'll have to stay here for about another year in order to read Matthew 21 with us. But you can do that on your own. That's your homework. Um, but what is equally as important as the church calendar uh, is going through a full book of the Bible, not just cherry-picking verses, going through a full book of the Bible without skipping anything. And this particular passage, at least for me, and maybe you feel the same way, is, is kind of a flyover verse or, or to gloss over this passage. Um, we've all heard in, in the Christmas story, the three wise men. Spoiler alert, we don't know if there were three. Um, but this one just kind of gets brushed, brushed to the side. We have Jesus' birth, and then we kind of go into his life, and then we go into the death, burial, and resurrection. Um, but if we're patient enough, and if we're disciplined enough to read every verse and to spend time in God's word, that there are some incredible things in here that God can bring to life and illuminate our hearts and lead us to change. And so that's my hope tonight. Um, we'll dive into just a little bit of background here on some of the, the main players in this story. Um, we've got the Magi. It says they're from the east, um, and that is Arabia, modern-day Middle East. Um, they were Gentile pagans. Uh, like I said earlier, there's not three of them. They brought three types of gifts, but we have no idea how many um, of them there were. 
And we also don't know a whole lot more about them than that. Uh, those gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, were gifts for a king. Um, and uh, they believed in, in the Middle East, in that culture, in the, um, that a star was to announce um, a birth of a new king. And so they were just kind of following, they saw this star and they were following it to see the birth of a new king, the king of the Jews. And so that's the Magi. Then you have Herod, um, who, if, you know, if you've read the Bible or, or been around here and heard us talk about Herod, not a great guy. Um, he's the king at this particular part. He is part of an unqualified lineage, which means he's in charge, um, but he doesn't have the right uh, lineage or um, he's not fully Jewish. And he's a converted Jew, which more on that later. Um, but he was so wise politically um, that he was able to start a dynasty of descendants, and they were all referred to as Herod. And so later on in the New Testament, you'll see Herod referenced a bunch. It's not the same guy, um, but it is his line. Um, and so that's Herod. That's the Magi. Um, but what I really want to dive into this evening with you is I'm just going to give you my main points right now off the go, and then we're going we're to jump in to see where we see him in the narrative. And it is this, actual desire to worship leads to action and leads to joy. I'll say that one more time. Actual desire to worship leads to action and leads to joy. Let's start with the first part there, the desire to worship. On the surface, the Magi and King Herod are similar. They both voice their desire to worship. Uh, the Magi, in verse, starting in verse 1, it says this about them. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the Magi have traveled far from the far east here to this point in our story and say we have come to worship Jesus. Um, then after King Herod calls all the teachers of the law and the scribes and the Pharisees, um, in, in verse 7 says this, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Again, so that he may go and worship him. So in word, in what they say, they both have the exact same desire to worship. One does something about it. The Magi does something about it. They take their desire or, what, or their words, what they state, they actually do something about it. Herod's desire to worship is not actually a desire to worship. He is fearful because he is un the unqualified king and that they are claiming that this is the new king of the Jews. It's also interesting he's a converted Jew and he doesn't know the scripture. If he did know the scripture, he would know that that passage that they quote in Micah chapter 5, but instead he has to call the chief priest and say, okay, is this actually true? Where is the king of the Jews going to be born? What does the prophecy say about the coming Messiah. And then, after he gets all that knowledge, after he understands or takes it in, he does nothing about it. Again, a real desire to worship leads to action, and the result is joy. A fake desire to worship, in King Herod's case, leads to nothing and telling other people to go and do it for him. And so then we move into the action and joy part. And I love how intertwined these two are. Let's take a look at some other places in Scripture. Hebrews 12, verse 2, says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That Jesus, 
because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He did something about it. There was action taken. He came down from heaven. He was born a human. He lived a perfect life. He died, he was buried, and he resurrected on our behalf so that we could live with him in eternity. That's the joy that was set before him, and it led to action. In Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages of Scripture says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. This is Paul talking, and he's saying um, that if, if you are living correctly in community with unity, with same love, being one in spirit, then make my joy complete. That there's this action that we're, if we do life together rightly, in a correct way, that there is joy to be experienced. And then in John 15, Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jesus is talking here and he's talking about our relationship with him. It starts there. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Talking about that, that personal relationship with Jesus that we talk about every week at Hope Church. And then in verse 11, Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the joy of Jesus gets to be inside of us with that personal relationship with Jesus. And then out of that joy, we get a command in verse 12. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends so that we get to love people that we get to serve that we get to embody jesus to other people that there is an action that comes out of this joy there's this connection with joy and action it's it's constantly intertwined there's individual action that we love jesus that we spend time with him that we set our mind on heavenly things that we pray and that we fast that we give generously and then there's a communal action that's talked about in Philippians 2, that there's unity, same love, being one in spirit, that when we experience the joy of the Lord, that we do something about it. And that action leads to joy, which leads to more action, which leads to joy. That is the Christian life, that we, when we serve and when we share Christ and when we do something with our faith, that we get to experience the joy of the Lord. I know personally for me, the times where I have felt the most joyful, the most real deep down rich joy is when I have shared my faith or where, when I've served other people, when I have had, started a relationship with someone and eventually got to talk to them about Jesus, about the person of Jesus, regardless of their response. That brings real joy. I would be remiss to not talk about happiness versus joy. Anytime we talk about joy in the Christian sense, that, that's all, that seems to be always brought up. And joy is unchanging. Happiness is not. Joy is the only reason joy can be unchanging. It is because it is tied to something that never changes. That our joy has to be placed in something eternal or it can be taken away. When we put our hope in things of this world, whether that's our job, our family, um, anything in this world, our money, our position, that it can be fleeting, up and down. A stupid example is the weather. 
If you, if you place your hope and joy in the weather, a lot of days you'll be pretty happy down here. Uh, but some days it's not great and you would be sad those days because it's, it changes constantly. But Jesus, God Almighty, the Holy Spirit never changes. He's the Alpha and Omega. He was and is and is to come. He's there in Genesis 1, before Genesis 1. He's there at the end of Revelation. He's there today and he will be there forever. And when we put our hope and our trust in that, that's where real joy comes from. So things that matter in eternity is where we really find that joy. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is never changing. And the best part about all of this is, is we don't have to muster up more joy. We can't go to the store and buy some joy. You can't even buy it on Amazon, which is insane because you can buy anything on Amazon. We can't just, uh, just read scripture more and get more joy. No, it comes because joy is eternal and unchanging. It comes from the one who is eternal and unchanging. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Again, it says, You will fill me with the joy in your presence. In God's presence, we are, we are filled with joy. That there's a sense that, that they went into God's presence, not saying, bring God's presence to me. Like in the story, the Magi went, there was action behind it, and it resulted in true worship and joy, as opposed to Herod who said, just bring it to me. I'm not, I'm not going to risk anything. Bring them to me. And if you're wondering, what are some ways that we, that we can enter in to the presence of God? Here, here's just a couple. Individually, I would say, uh, read the Bible. Uh, last time I preached, I said this, but I'll say it again. Most people would, would raise their hand and say they want to hear from God. They want a, a specific word that would apply to their life and that has the ability to change their life for the better. And then if I asked who has heard from God like that, they would say, most people would say no. But the good news is he, he has done that. He has spoken to us. And it's through his, his word, through the holy scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. So every verse in here is God-breathed, the very words of God. And we as a church are going through the Bible together. Um, if you had not already heard that, it's through the Read Scripture app. It's an incredible app put together by the Bible Project with some really cool videos. Um, I personally am a couple days behind, and you could be all of the days behind. That's fine. But it's a great measured way to get into the Word of God and to start building that discipline into your life so that there's some action of you actually going and doing something to enter the presence of God. The second way that I would say is, is just prayer. Talk to God. To develop the, your relationship with God, there's got to be some conversation. Same way as, as you're developing a relationship with anyone else, there has to be some conversation. So those are the two big ones for individual. And then community. The action of community. There are so many ways for you to get involved here at Hope Church. Um, number one, community groups. If you're not in a community group, I challenge you to be in one. Shout out to Proprietors Court. Um, that's mine. It's awesome. And um, just get in one. If you have questions about that, email us, info at hopechurchse.com. Um, second thing is figure out a way to serve here on Saturday nights. If you haven't come and check us out first, if you're just watching this on, on YouTube or wherever, Come Saturday nights. It's awesome. It's safe. It's outside. It's beautiful. It's, it's a really cool expression of the family of God. And uh, get involved. Serve. Worship team. Guest services. Uh, Hope Kids. There's, there's a, a thousand different ways that you can serve and that we need people. 
Um, and one, one of the cooler ways that we have started to serve as a church in, in recent history is the grocery giveaway. And um, the next one is April 16th, so come out and serve and be a part of that. That is our church community, along with other church communities, serving and taking action towards the community that is hurting around us, the bigger, the greater Somerville community. Um, and another way that I would say that you could take action towards this to enter the presence of God is to give of your time and of your money to the things that matter, to the things that matter in eternity. And a very tangible way to do that is for $200, it's not a lot of money, to, that's an entire truck of food for our grocery giveaway that you can feed people who are hurting and are in need with 200 bucks, get a whole truck, and you could come and serve that day after you give $200 and, and be able to see and experience the joy that you're giving to other people through the grocery giveaway. So those are just some options. If you have any questions on any of that, please talk to me, write an email, call Rob, talk to Liz, talk to anybody that who, who you are familiar with or who brought you to Hope Church. We would love to talk more about that. So as we wrap up tonight, um, I just want to go back to the, the desire to worship and action and joy and ask you just a couple of questions. And I, I would ask that you maybe write these down, put them in your phone, um, talk, pause the podcast if you're listening to that and talk about them with someone. Um, or, or these could also be great community group questions for, for things to unpack throughout the week. So the first question about our desire to worship. When are we like Herod? are the teachers of the law. We say we want to worship. We say we want to follow Jesus, but we can't get out of our own way. We do nothing. We have all the knowledge, but we don't do anything with that knowledge. Where in your life are you saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus, but your actions don't back it up? It's a convicting thought for me. hope that it is for you as well. Where in your life do you say you want to follow Jesus? Do you say, yeah, yeah, I want to serve. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to give generously but your actions don't match it up. One of my favorite uh, college wrestlers, as everyone knows, is Kyle Snyder. He's an Olympic champion, world champion, two-time, or maybe three-time, yeah, three-time NCAA champion. He's incredible. But I was listening to an interview by him, and he said his goal, the way he lives his life, is that if anyone watched him for any set number uh, period of time, if they watched his life, they would know he's training to be an Olympic gold medalist. That's how he, that's how he plans every part of his day. So the, the takeaway for us, I hope that you're training to be a gold medalist too. That'd be awesome. But if people just checked us and checked in on us for, for a set period of time, whether that's six hours or six days or six months, what would they think we're about? Would they think that we are about entering the presence of God and experiencing joy from action? Or would we look more like Herod and that we are Christian in name and not in action and not experiencing that joy? Second thing, how's our action? What are we willing to actually do to worship Jesus? These magi walked from the far east by foot or by camel all the way here to experience Jesus and to worship him and experience that joy. What are we willing to do to worship Jesus, to further our relationship with him, to study, to pray, to seek him, to be in community with other believers? What are we willing to do? What are we willing to sacrifice? Almost every Saturday we say the gospel is about humility and sacrifice, not comfort and privilege. And so what are we willing to sacrifice to do that? It makes me think of the disciples as Jesus comes up to them as they're fishing. He says, come and follow me. And then they didn't do anything. 
That's not true. That's not how Scripture tells us. It says, Jesus says, come and follow me. And it says, at once they dropped their nets and followed him. Or immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. After the call was placed on their life from Jesus, there was immediate action taken. So what are we willing to sacrifice? Maybe it's a couple hours of sleep that you'd wake up early and spend time with God. Maybe it's a little bit more of your money, of your paycheck, of your hard-earned paycheck to give towards the things that will matter in eternity. Maybe it's more of your time. Maybe it's your relational capital as you reach out to neighbors. But what are you willing to sacrifice in order to experience the joy of Jesus as we enter into the presence of Jesus? And the last part is joy. How is your joy? That's an interesting question, but how is your joy? How are you experiencing joy in your life currently? When was the last time that you were joyful? Or or as the other version said, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. If we really believe what we say we believe, we should be experiencing a joy like no other. We should be being led by Jesus. We say here that that we make Jesus the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life. That That we, as Jesus leads us, he takes us into the presence of God and we get to experience that joy. So when's the last time that you experienced that joy? Maybe you've never experienced it. You've always felt fleeting up and down happiness. We would love to talk to you about that, about how to experience the joy that only comes from eternal things. And maybe it was a long time ago that you experienced it. Again, we would love to help you take tangible steps towards experiencing that joy and the action that comes with following Jesus. So just to wrap up again, when are we like Herod and the teachers of the law that we, that we want to follow Jesus in name, but we're not willing to do anything about it? What are we, what are we sac- actively sacrificing to get into the presence of Jesus, like it talks about in Psalm 16, that we enter in to the presence, and that's what fills us with joy? And then third, how is your joy? Where are you experiencing joy, and how do you get more of it? That's all I have for us this evening. Let me say a prayer to close our time. Jesus, thank you again for your word. God, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for this small little story um, and just how much incredible truth is in here. God, thank you um, just for the conviction that you've given to my own heart in this and my own relationship with you. God, I pray that you would draw every person that's listening to this closer to yourself. God, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would convict and mold and, and change and that your Holy Spirit would do an incredible work through the opening of your word. And I pray um, for all of my brothers and sisters listening to this, God, that, that you would give them some real takeaways, some real action, some real sacrifice that we could do in our own life that would lead us to experience your real, true joy, deep, deep in our core. So again, Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for coming to earth, for living a perfect life, for dying, and for being raised from the dead. It's in your name we pray. Amen.